Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. When you look back at the musical history of Canada, we've had a lot of amazing musicians. Go back to Paul Anka, move up to Anne Murray, Guess Who, Rush, Neil Young, The Band, The Bare Naked Ladies, Arcade Fire, Mother Mother. There's so many. And one of my favorite, especially growing up when I was a teenager in the 90s, was Biff Naked. And I loved her songs. Songs like Spaceman and I Love Myself Today. She started out with her first album in 1994, Biff Naked, and then had a monster album, I Biffacus, followed by Purge, another great album that did well. And she's continued to do well. She's continued to make music and poetry, and she helps out various causes. And so I had the chance to talk to Biff Naked about her life, career, and what's coming next. So have a listen. What led you into music? Um, to be honest with you, I was always in the performing arts, but never music. I was uh, one of those arts kids uh, that came from a family with three daughters and uh, all of us did piano lessons and uh, ballet and whatnot and uh, music really wasn't a goal of mine I wanted to be a ballet teacher <laughs> until I was about 12 years old and and then I wanted to be an actor oh <laughs> and then you kind of just found your way into music well in college uh, I was at the University of Winnipeg uh, taking well embarking on my my theater major and just kind of accidentally met these guys in my theater class who had a band <laughs> and uh, and their singer uh, left and they were stuck with a, a couple of shows uh, and no one to sing for them so they asked me if I would consider singing for their shows and I said of course I would and I was hooked <laughs> um... literally I was hooked and that was it we were on tour probably a month later and I never return to my classes <laughs> what would you say were kind of big uh musical influences for you well you know at that time i was uh just kind of discovering punk music uh and it was interesting for me because as a kid growing up in the late 80s and 90s all the bands i liked uh, were not that political and, and punk music seemed to be very political so it uh, encompassed more of the I guess the activism that I that I now really uh, think is an integral part of uh, of the arts you know it's kind of uh, a great way to communicate uh, you know our outcry at the injustices of the world mm -hmm. and um you know, I, I always liked hard music. There weren't a lot of girls. Uh, so most of my mentors when I was really young were, were dudes. <laughs> and uh, and that was just uh, based on the things that they were talking about. Um, I loved Madonna, of course, like every other girl <laughs> in my class. Uh, but it was bands like Public Enemy and, and the Bad Brains. Um, <laughs> that were saying something that I wanted to hear. Um, Canada has a, a very rich history with uh, music going back all the way to people like Paul Anka and Neil Young and the band. 
What do you, do you feel like there's something that sets Canadian music apart from, uh, from music elsewhere? Oh, in many ways I do. Yes. I think that Canada has, uh, even though, you know, typically Canadians are, are always like, uh, in North America anyway, we're the polite little sister uh, (laughs) of America. And I think that's an identity that we don't necessarily want, but somehow we accept it and perpetuate it. And I always say, um, you know, when you travel outside in the big world, uh, you realize how um, how beloved Canadian music really is. I mean, uh, we have so many world-class musicians, and granted, many of them are in uh, the pop music genre. I mean, you know, for like you're saying, Paul Anka from the early days, but I mean, Anne Murray was you know, very, very famous. People don't realize. Same with Joni Mitchell and um, and the Guess Who. And then when you go through uh, the 80s and stuff, Loverboy was big all over yeah. the world, all over the world. And at the same time, punk rock was exploding. Bands like DOA and No Means No are famous around the world. Like mm-hmm. absolutely everyone worth their salt has heard of these bands and, and is a fan. Uh, and that continued, obviously, with the Bare Naked Ladies and um, um, I guess Alanis Morissette, for sure, mm-hmm. and uh, Avril Lavigne, Celine Dion. I mean, really and truly, these are, these are international stars. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's amazing. Um, was it very surreal for you when you started to see yourself on, on things like Much Music and people started to come up to you and, and, uh, and talk to you about uh, your music? Well, you know, I think that because I've always been in music and been in band since I was 18, um, I didn't really notice. Every little milestone is still a huge milestone, even if you're playing your your local high school assembly. It's a huge milestone, just like playing The Tonight Show is. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these things are an emotional victory for a person um i guess uh, just like i guess any a, a poet getting published uh in a in a i guess a fanzine or getting published in a uh, international poetry magazine every milestone is uh, is a huge victory and i think that um fans behave differently toward you all over the world canadians are the most polite <laughs> They will not disturb you when you're chewing food <laughs> <laughs> or eating or trying to, you know, go to the bathroom in a public washroom. Uh, but other countries, they have no problem um, pulling your hair to see if it's a wig or they have no t- problem touching you or grabbing you or peeking over the bathroom stall. <laughs> but Canadians will not do that kind of thing. Um, it depends on where you are, I guess. <laughs> What's it like when uh, fans come up to you and tell you that uh, a song you wrote has had an impact on them or on their life? It's always completely flattering, and, and that never changes ever. I mean, it's uh, it's very flattering and very endearing. Um, and plus, it's a connection that you make and you can relate. I mean, if someone you know, says that a song that I wrote that's particularly, um, I guess, emotional for me, 
and they say that they can relate to it, that indicates to me that they've probably had a similar experience. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for me, that's very, very touching. Of course, it's very validating in many ways. And uh, also it can be, you know, terribly moving. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been moved to tears from fans before uh, because they've just been so sweet. And uh, and I also, it, you know, I also, I feel for them. Mm -hmm. um, so in 2016, you wrote a memoir. Uh, what kind of led you to decide to, to put your life down to, uh, down to paper? Oh, well, honestly, I was badgered to do it. And that's the, the truth. I was badgered uh, by my manager for uh, quite a few years, in fact. Um, and I always teased him because, um, you know, before I had breast cancer and before I, you know, had heart surgery, no one had badgered me to do such a thing. And uh, I teased them all the time and said, it's only because I didn't die uh, that you guys even want me to do this silly, silly exercise. Um, and that was really the truth. And mm -hmm. so, it, you know, it's not an easy task. Uh, it's one thing to write autobiographical lyrics, you know, into your songs, but you can still enshroud these painful stories, um, it, you know, kind of into poetic words you can embellish or minimize them or or whatever you choose to do but to write something that's factually autobiographical is really <laughs> difficult or it was for me anyway and um yeah it took it took about three years of uh writing in between uh, all the rest of the work we were doing and then to uh, work with the editor at harper collins um, who was a saint, you know, okay. went through all my my writing and raw materials and, and helped me uh, to, to edit it down. It was, uh, was an incredible experience. Um, you're involved in, uh, in a lot of things. Uh, you know, if you follow, I follow you on Instagram and, you know, I'll see a lot of pictures of dogs and things like that. What, uh, what causes are important to you? Well, obviously, animal welfare is a huge one. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, uh, you know, it's t it's hard when there's so many laws that, that still have animals basically treated like a person's property. Um, you know, they're really old. It's an old way of thinking. And I'm sure when a lot of these lawmakers were writing these laws, they weren't thinking of companion animals per se, but I just think that uh, there are a lot of organizations that are doing very incredible work, um, dangerous work sometimes, uh, rescuing some of these animals from abuse or, mm -hmm. or, uh, or neglect. And so I, I like to try and give them a voice. And, uh, you know, basically, I, I want to root for the underdog, and I want to help amplify uh, the voices that are trying to make a difference, I guess. Can you tell me a bit about Mona Lisa Healing? So Mona Lisa Healing is a wellness company, basically, um, that I was asked to uh, to join. Um, it's a family business. And, um, you know, really it was about uh, the, the original inspiration behind Mona Lisa was just to, to heal people. My goddaughter is an example uh, who has had Lyme disease since she was 10 years old. And through a lot of naturopathic doctors and um, 
holistic uh, medicine, uh, they found a lot of things that do help mitigate some of the symptoms of Lyme disease. Um, you know, and there are a variety of things from turmeric to mushrooms to, to CBD oils. And, uh, and with Mona Lisa Healing, um, basically we want to create a company um, that just has people's health in mind and, and makes makes people feel better for, for a variety of things that are going on. Um, the thing about Canadian law and, and CBD oils is that CBD falls under the Cannabis Act in Canada, and that's uh, that's one of the areas where they're wrong. <laughs> I mean, you know, and anyone who is a, a cannabis activist will, uh, will tell you that uh, there's massive differences between cannabis and uh, CBD oil, which is uh, basically, you know, a food supplement. Um, so we're, we're trying to, uh, along with all the other companies in Canada, we're trying to separate ourselves from, uh, from that and get the laws changed. Um, and now this year, uh, you released a new single called Jim and you have a new album. Uh, can you tell me a bit about those? Well, the new album, we had um, originally slated it for release uh, in the fall. And uh, the reason for that was that I just feel that people uh, have the ability to cherry pick the order that they hear albums in um, because they can, you mm-hmm. know, either through streaming services or, or iTunes or however people get music. They can listen to anything they want to on your record in any order. And, uh, and for me, I just thought, no, I really want it to be this song, this song, this song, just like making an album, a record. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you want it in a certain chronology, you want it in a certain order. And, um, I guess it's a bit of an old school way of thinking, but I wanted to release the first three songs and then on the third song released the whole record because it was just really about the order of the songs for me and jim was the first song that we picked it doesn't sound like anything else on the record at all um you know i have the benefit of uh of of being you know having a history of records that are a little bit eclectic as far as their style goes and uh, this record is definitely a reflection of that um and uh, Jim is basically a, a song about um, transformation of our thinking, of our relationships, and hopefully moving on in life. Every person has a, a villain in their, in their life or in their life history. And Jim is just, uh, just a name. <laughs> you can insert any name into that uh, villainous character, really. Um, but it was the first song that we chose. Um, and so you're, I read you're also working on a, a book of poetry and you have a, a Riot Girls podcast. Uh, can you tell me a bit about those things? Well, you know, the new Riot Girls was an idea that I had um, for a podcast. Um, you know, it was basically something I wanted to do that was more of a conversation regarding social justice issues that I was more passionate about. And, uh, you know, I wanted it to be, um, I guess, in a way, not particularly 
from a from a gender lens per se, but I just wanted it to be more reflective of some of the things that are more important really in life are important to me and to and to the friends that I wanted to have on the podcast to talk about it so it's still unfolding um we have a couple of new things coming into uh into fruition this summer which are exciting and the new rye girls is one of them and the book of poetry that I wrote uh is called razor blade chewing gum I finished it last year around this time it was last June and I kind of sat with it for the fall uh, because I wasn't sure how I wanted to present it because I, I have a lot of cartoons that I've included in it. And uh, while we were busy um, trying to decide which direction to go, um, well, then we just got busy. And, of course, the coronavirus uh, took over the world. And so now we're just uh, I'm just adding to it, which is the great thing about um you know, having my own companies and, and our own music company. Um, we get to create our art at the pace we want to. Um, so looking back through your career, is there anything that really stands out as a, as some highlights of, of your career? Oh, every single show is a highlight in many ways, that's for sure. Um, I guess, you know, there are obviously some milestone moments that, um, that stand out. Um, I don't know. I, we've had uh, we had our equipment stolen while we were on the stage uh, in Fresno, California, once by a, a gang of banditos. Um, you know, being on the Tonight Show and meeting all the all the people at the Jay Leno show was really exciting. Of course, MTV and much music, so many different interviews and the history of working with all of those people is amazing. And some of the charities that we've worked with have been really, uh, really important, you know, so I can list a thousand things, <laughs> but you know, as far as, uh, as far as highlights go, I would always, always default by saying every show is a highlight. Um, do you find that one of the more interesting things with music is you might write a song about uh, something that's personal for you or a certain thing, but then people will uh, kind of get their own interpretations out of it and uh, find their own meaning uh, within the song that kind of fits for them? Oh, definitely. I think that's true for for any piece of music that we hear, whether it's Beethoven or the Foo Fighters. You know, really, I think it's, it's uh, how we relate to something. Uh, is always how it's going to sit with us. And those songs will always uh, represent that feeling or emotion for us, even if it's not the intention of the writer. And I think that's, you know, that's like any art. You know, someone can see, I guess, a, uh, a painting and interpret it one way where their, their neighbor will see it totally differently. And the same goes for music, for sure. And I'm happy with any interpretation that anyone has about my songs because for them that's their experience and it's still important and uh, I guess my last question um, obviously things have changed a bit because of COVID-19 uh, but uh, what, what, what do you have upcoming other than like what we've talked about with the poetry and, uh, and the album and such well, I mean, obviously, you know, the shows and tours have all been either canceled outright or postponed. And we're still hoping, uh, we're still hoping, hoping that our uh, 
tourists was to bring us to Edmonton this spring has been postponed till the fall. So mm. we're still hoping to come to uh, to Edmonton with the Buck Cherry tour yeah. in November, or it might even be like I think it's it's either first couple of days in November or halloween or, or something like that. i've got to look at my list but we're just hoping it still happens and if it doesn't you know at least in the spring so we're just uh we're holding our breath i guess like everybody else is <laughs> um and sorry i actually just got one more question um so is touring something that you really really love to do uh kind of connecting with the audience and uh, and being out there with them Oh, 100%. You know, we do acoustic shows when we can't do the rock shows. And uh, right before uh, the government lockdowns, uh, Snake and I were on an acoustic tour out here in Ontario. And it was amazing. You know, I think I was I was still hugging 200 people a night <laughs> doing <laughs> selfies right up until the first week of March. Uh, so I feel like we just kind of... Uh, got in by the skin of our teeth and I'm so I'm so glad that we were able to do that tour I hope you enjoyed that episode of Canadian History X and if you did please give a rating and review you can support the podcast by going to Patreon just go to patreon.com slash Canada EHX you can email me any questions you have at craig at canadax.com and you can find hundreds of articles on my website just go to canadax.com thanks see you again next time